Hi, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cotrera Show for Thursday, September the 24th. If you have a cottage, then listen up. The Federation of Ontario Cottagers is warning that your electricity bill could double in the near future. We'll get to that in the podcast, but first... Let's talk about how the Prime Minister addressed us two times yesterday, once through the throne speech and then in a public address where he took a more serious tone and got real about the holidays. It's all too likely we won't be gathering for Thanksgiving, but we still have a shot at Christmas. Together, we have the power to get the second wave under control. I know we can do it because we've already done it once before. It's like our prime minister was pulling the uh, Burgermeister Meister Burger. There will be no more Christmas. There will be no more toys. Make sure you mask up or it's not going to happen. The only people that were really happy about the Thanksgiving news yesterday in the prime minister's address were uh, turkeys, I would imagine. Suman Chakrabarty joins the show, infectious infectious disease specialist at Trillium Health Partners. Suman, it's always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks so much for giving us some time. Of course, and you always make me laugh at the very beginning, so this is a (laughs) good introduction. (laughs) All right, listen, if I make one person laugh, then I'm doing my job, in my opinion. Uh, My bosses might disagree, but the Prime Minister is saying that we're in the second wave. Would you agree? Yeah, you know, whatever we end up calling it, the point is we now, across Canada and multiple sites, have a sustained rise in cases. Uh, it may still be early, but the point is, uh, you know, if we don't do something and change our course, we will get to the point of seeing, you know, rapid ex- exponential spread. Okay, one of the things that they were mentioning, and, and we heard Barbara Yaffe, the uh, Dr. Barbara Yaffe, I should give her the respect she's due, the Associate Chief Medical Officer, in a press conference oh, about an hour ago, talking about the uh, testing, and they had announced this week that Shoppers Drug Mart, starting tomorrow, and other pharmacies would start uh, COVID testing for asymptomatic people. Now, today we get Dr. Yaffe Uh, talking about how Ontario uh, is going to prioritize testing, going to people with symptoms, people that were with confirmed case contact, uh, higher risk people, people that were involved in an outbreak and public health has notified them that they should get a test. Is it, um, did we rush to the asymptomatic testing? Was that a bad move in your opinion? Uh, you mean from back in the summertime? I, I think that, yeah, this, this sounds like it was, a, this is a downstream effect of, I think, what was a poor policy uh, back in the summertime with uh, this widespread testing of people who didn't need the test. Now what's happening is that we didn't really have any give, and now there's this surge in demand, and we just can't handle it. So I think that this Shoppers Drug Mart and the other pharmacies, this is an imperfect way to try to decant off the lower-risk tests and those people that are symptomatic or, like you said, a high-risk contact, they'll be seen at the hospital and those tests will be prioritized so they get back as quickly as possible to help with contact tracing. All right. So um, should they have just put a pause on it? Why announce it yesterday and then today say, oh, okay, well, you can get your test, but uh, we'd rather if you're symptomatic. I, I think that the thing is that uh, it, what, what's happening, that there's, there's two prongs of this. Number one, we have to kind of get the message out there. Where is the time? What's the best time for you to get tested? It's not before you go to the cottage, not before you go and see one of your friends just to be sure. It's when you have new symptoms or you have a high-risk contact. That's the, the first message. And the second part of this kind of the pharmacy aspect is that that's an, an effort to try to take away that big load that is uh, really straining the lab system right now. It's a temporary measure while the lab uh, testing is 
is uh, upgraded, the, the lab um, uh, facilities are upgraded. It's just that right now it's a very, very difficult situation, and we need to do something because testing is so important for us. Right. Um, yesterday, the throne speech uh, did not include what I know the province was hoping for, a, a huge influx of cash into the medical system, into health care. Um, is that hugely problematic in your opinion? Yeah, well, you know, the thing is that I, I, I uh, was listening to it, and a lot of the stuff kind of just seems very nonspecific, you know, like uh, increase uh, help for testing, increase help for the nursing homes, a lot of kind of general platitudes. So even if they had mentioned something, I'm not sure if it really, uh, you know, would translate down, uh, into something until I actually see it. But it's clear that public health has been strained so much in this uh, epidemic. And, you know, at some point we might have one of these things again. We really don't want to repeat the same mistakes. We really have to beef up our entire public health structure, as well as um, our long-term care. These are two big areas where a light was shone on them in the, uh, the epidemic, and it showed the weaknesses that need to be improved. Doug Ford wants Health Canada to okay rapid tests. I mean, he was basically pleading with them. Guys, I, all I'm hearing is crickets from you during his press conference. Why do you think it's taking so long with the rapid tests? I, I know I'm asking you questions that you might not be able to answer, but do you believe this is a, a matter of red tape? Because we're talking about saliva tests here that are being used elsewhere. Yeah, well, one, one big thing about these tests, Health Canada is very good at vetting things, just like they're going to vet any vaccine that's before it's going to be distributed. They do the same thing with the testing. We have to remember that testing on the surface, this seems amazing, a quick test, and I agree that it has some potential. But remember that you, all of a sudden, uh, you're not going to be taking any strain off the lab. You might actually be uh, straining the lab a bit more. And also, uh, here's a simple problem. Uh, you have this test coming in these containers that take up space. What are you going to do with thousands of bottles? Where are you going to store them? These simple problems we don't often mm. think about up front, and that's important. And that's the type of thing that they look at to make sure there's no unintended consequences. Got it. And and that is one of the things that I think there are going to be unintended consequences with bringing in these tests for asymptomatic people to pharmacies. It sounds like a great idea on paper. It's lovely. But if the lab capacity is not there yet, then you you just you don't want to. Uh, overwhelm it even more. Uh, now, Ontario wants to, we saw this draft legislation being released by CBC News today, and it's Ontario's fall pandemic preparedness plan. It's 21 pages. Part of this draft says that the, that Ontario is favoring responding to outbreaks with targeted restrictions instead of going back into another widespread lockdown. So if that's the case, are there any um, places where we should be kind of focusing our attention on saying this is unnecessary, especially moving into a second wave that these that we're allowing these businesses to continue? Or, as Mayor Tory said, maybe bars shouldn't be open past 10 o'clock or. Yeah, and I, I think that one of the big things, I think this, this is actually a good idea. We do want to use regional, both precise tools as well as some, um, sometimes a more blunt tool, like you know, shutting down a certain area but keeping the rest of the, pro the province open. We, bars and restaurants get a lot of flack, and, and I think that rightfully so. They, they can be a source of transmission, but here in Ontario, it hasn't been the main place. What's been a problem has been indoor events, and these are not these raucous keggers that are being thrown by high school students. These are also things like you know, watching a movie with friends, 
wedding mm-hmm. events, uh, card games. It's not just parties, and I think that a lot of focus has to be on that because it's very difficult to, uh, you know, police, uh, pun intended, police these kind of in, uh, indoor parties, especially in private dwellings. So I think it's important for us to know where are the cases coming from and what level are we at. If we do get to a point where, you know, we're having uncontrolled spread despite this, then yes, you, you probably will have to shut down or uh, significantly restrict bars and restaurants and gyms. But right now, I think that we're not quite there yet, but we may have to make some alterations to make them more safe rather than shutting them down. Okay, so really, the message that we have to get through our heads is we're living in a different time. It's not going to be the way it was pre-COVID just because we want it to be the way it was pre-COVID. Are you going to have to get back to a situation, Dr. Chakrabarty, where you start to take stock of the people that you love and care about and start to look at how they're living their lives and decide who is going to be in that bubble once again? reassess the bubble and really commit to the bubble in order to keep the numbers down. Absolutely. So right now, I think it's imperative for us to kind of look at what's around us and then trying to uh, reduce your, your um, kind of physical contact as much as possible for the time being. And remember, with this whole dance that we're doing with the COVID, there's going to be times where things need to be tightened up again, especially in, in the hot spots. I can speak, again, best for, for Ontario in uh, uh, Toronto, Peel, and Ottawa. But those are the things that we, we're going to have to expect. There will be times when we have to pull up our socks a bit, other times where things won't be as tight. But this is going to be a theme for us at least for the next year uh, and hopefully the vaccine is something that can uh, break up that uh, that pattern wow the next year what's your feeling on christmas do you think it's going to go the way of the thanksgiving holiday I, I think that it, it's hard to know, but I think that, you know, either way is that we know Christmas is going to be at a time when uh, hopefully we have low community transmission, but we also know that, you know, Christmas is indoors. You have your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's alcohol involved. Indoor events are the things that are the risk factor for increased spread. And that's why I think that we're just going to still have to have Christmas, but with that cloud hanging over us that we want to keep things as small, spread out, and uh, uh, as outside as possible. That last part is probably not going to work at Christmas time right you know what we're gonna have to do is we're gonna have to adopt new traditions it's just it's just the way it is i mean we i think people get so stuck on well this is the way we've done it every year and if we don't start to think outside you know the the normal uh routine then we're in real trouble because you look at what was instead of what is and although I can say one thing is that I do think that at some point we will get out of this. I know it's been a long haul and there's still a long haul to go, but we will get back to that point where we'll be having Christmases like we remember. It's just that right now we have to remember things are different and we have to kind of set our sights both for the immediate future and also the long future. Dr. Chakrabarty, thanks so much for joining us. I always appreciate your time on the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Cheers. That's Suman Chakrabarty. He is a doctor and infectious disease specialist at Trillium Health Partners. All right. The prime minister says we're in the second wave. People have been spending time at their secondary properties throughout the pandemic, like cottages, where a lot of people have been remotely working. According to the Federation of Ontario Cottagers, get ready. Because if you have a secondary property, like a cottage, yes, I'm talking to you. You will see, possibly, your electricity bills double. The Executive Director of the Federation of Ontario Cottagers Association, Terry Reese, joins the show now. Terry, welcome to the program. Uh, Good morning, Kelly. How are you? 
I'm good. It's kind of a relief to step away from COVID for a second, but um, it's not great news if you have a cottage. September 17th, the Ontario Energy Board announced that it would be eliminating Hydro One's seasonal rate class. Can you give us some background on the seasonal rate class and why it's being eliminated? Right. Yeah. So this is an ongoing saga. It's been a, it's about a five year old uh, discussion where the Ontario Energy Board, as the regulator for the province and uh, for utilities in Ontario, uh, made a determination that uh, as part of a rate hearing that Hydro One did with them, that they would uh, they were recommending that they eliminate one of their rate classes, which captures about 150,000 of Hydro One's customers in rural and northern Ontario. So that's what the decision was this uh, recently. And that's going to impact the rates for those customers as they get reclassified into a different rate class. So it's shuffling around the, the, the money is what they're doing. Okay. And why was the seasonal rate class developed in the first place? Well, Hydro One has had this in place for about 40 years. Uh, the rationale, as I understand it, was that they wanted to group like customers that had similar load profiles and that uh, had similar usage patterns into a similar rate class. So they were paying uh, similar rates. Uh, you'll understand that your electricity bill is partly about how much you use, but a big portion of it, an increasing portion of it, is the delivery portion. So that's what's going to be largely impacted by the elimination of the seasonal rate as we get reclassified into one of their uh, density classes, so either a medium-density or low-density customers in rural Ontario. Okay, so maybe I need you to define for the audience here what hydro uh, classifies as medium- and low-density zones. Well, as you can imagine, a remote customer or a low-density customer, and I believe the definition for Hydro One is something like 15 customers per kilometer of line. You know, if if there's 100 of you in the area and there's 15 or more of you, you'd be considered a medium density. If there's less than 15 customers per kilometer of line, you'd be considered a low density or an expensive customer is is kind of the whole point of the thing. So they want to charge rates that are try to equate the cost to serve the customer with uh, with uh, what they're being charged for dis- distributing the electricity. So the more remote your cottage is, the more expensive the hydro uh, rate would be. That's right. And uh, so this has been, uh, you know, this is an ongoing and evolving story about rate uh, rating electricity costs. Uh, they've already, as part of a subsequent decision to the uh, original discussion about seasonal rates, uh, OEB has already ordered the implementation of fixed distribution rates. So that's separate but uh, related to this seasonal discussion. So every customer in Ontario is being moved to a fixed uh, distribution rate so that the issue of a low-use remote customer paying their fair share is already being addressed, and that cost is being phased in over the next uh, four years. It's an eight-year phase-in. So that's already hitting uh, remote uh, customers' bills. So this, on top of that, is going to aggravate the situation, and that's where the 60 or more dollars a month impact to low-use, low-density customers is going to kick in. That's a lot. We constantly get emails from people that have cottages that aren't even there, and they say, look, I haven't even been here through the season. Look at my delivery cost and my energy bill when I haven't even used energy. It's frustrating. Uh, Well, absolutely. You know, rural affordability is a big deal. You talked about working remotely, which many of us have tried to do, broadband and uh, distances are already a challenge, uh, and affordability for remote uh, distances for for a whole bunch of reasons is already a tough uh, tough slog. So this is going to be just yet another uh, another hit to the local economies where people are going to have less money in their pockets to spend on uh, local goods and services, for instance.
They say that there is no word on when the restructuring will take place, but the OEB has asked Hydro One um, with a drafting a report that includes a bill mitigation measures to protect customers from receiving the increases on one large bill. And the report is due October the 15th. This is something that you should take into consideration if you don't own a cottage, if you're looking to invest in a cottage, I would imagine, because throughout this pandemic, we're hearing that people are looking around cottage country thinking, well, if this pandemic lasts and it seems like it's going to be around for a while, and if it takes some time to get a vaccine going, uh, we won't be going on uh, vacations beyond our, you know, local vicinity anytime soon, at least not most of us. So it's time to invest in a cottage. Would you recommend that you take this into consideration if you're looking to invest the remoteness of where you're going to be well there's certainly been a significant turnover and lots of interest in uh, remote and rural ontario there's low incidence of covid where there's infrastructure it's a lovely place to isolate and uh, so it does come with a whole bunch of considerations around access and affordability so part of the problem with the way this works is that the oeb makes a decision the uh, the utility, which is Hydro One, puts in their uh, recommendations for how the rates will be implemented and when. And that doesn't. By the time that happens, and they have all those discussions, and and when the customer hears about it, it's already a done deal. So it's important for people to to appreciate now what not only what their utility bill for the property they're buying was last year, but what that in fact might be like when this gets implemented, which might not be for another year, by the way, but it's coming. Is this putting cottage country, uh, you know, a secondary property ownership? out of the reach of most people's hands once again. We're seeing that it's almost impossible to get into cottage country. The, the prices have climbed so much in, in recent years, and now this. It's, uh, again, another, another um, hit to the affordability of living in rural, uh, rural communities. You know, waterfront property owners are a huge part of the local economy. Most of uh, cottage country was settled in the 50s, you know, and some before and some after, but a lot of it was a chance for people to have an affordable place for the family to be. Uh, a lot of the people that I know are have you know regular middle income earners that uh, that thought this would be an affordable place to to live and for their families to have for for years. This is going to be a big hit. But you say there's still time to weigh in on this. What are you advising cottagers to do? Well, again, the it's a fairly formal process. So the Ontario Energy Board will take the new report from Hydro One, which is due October 15th, and then we'll. Uh, in their wisdom, we'll review that and, and have some commentary about that. Uh, at that point, some point after October 15th, there will be another round of uh, intervener uh, discussions and FOCA, that's our organization, and others will weigh in to, to have an opinion about whether uh, we think the rates that they've proposed are going to be fair and equitable and, and make sense. Now, we've done that over the last number of years on this matter, and OEB has, has stuck, to their, stuck to their story that they want to eliminate this class. So, uh, when that uh, when that hearing or when those discussions happen, then it'll be important for people to to let uh, to let the OEB know and to let their elected officials know what their uh, what the impacts are to to them and their households. Well, Terry, I appreciate that you are so plugged in in this, and I'm going to ask that you give us a heads up when that time comes so we can pass it on to our 640 Toronto listenership so that they can hopefully uh, take uh, action where their cottages are concerned and the uh, hydro rates going up. Absolutely. Our website at foca.on.ca has got updates all the time, but we'll certainly be in touch with you, Kelly, and uh, and let you know when uh, the next step comes. We're really uh, worried about the affordability issues that, that this uh, this decision uh, uh, makes. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Terry. Have a great day. Thanks, Kelly. You too. 
Cheers. And that is it for today's podcast. Don't forget we broadcast live daily Monday through Friday, 9 till noon on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Hopefully you'll join us. Have a great day.